Good morning. How are you? Good to see you. Get your Bible. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. How many of you think you need a new attitude? How many of you think the person next to you needs a new attitude? Huh? I usually say don't point at the person around you, but if you know somebody that needs a new attitude, just go ahead and point at them right now so I know who I'm talking to. Say, you got a bad attitude. You need a new attitude. You know what attitude is? The definition of attitude? It, it is the, the way that you think and feel. That's the definition of the word attitude. The way you think and feel. How are you thinking and feeling today? How many of you are really excited and so excited, just so glad this is Sunday, you're just looking forward to today? Man, everything is just awesome and great. You have a good attitude. For the rest of you, you need a new attitude. <laughs> the way that you think and feel. Victor Frankl was a concentration camp survivor. And he said this, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's way. Attitude is a matter of choice. Your attitude is your choice. You say, well, no, bad things happen and it forces me to have a bad attitude. No, you choose what you're going to do with the things that happen in your life and how they're going to affect you. Sometimes negative things affect you and, and it, it does take a minute. It takes a minute when you're, when you're in a grief or you're, or you're in sickness or you're in some type of negative. It does take a minute for you to kind of wrap your brain around that, slow down, you know, right off the bat, natural, the natural carnal kicks in. And you have a bad attitude, but if you decide to keep one, that's your choice. A, a, a fellow named Steve Goudier, he wrote this years ago. He said, both the hummingbird and the vulture fly over our nation's deserts. And all the vultures see is rotting meat because that's what they're looking for. They thrive on that diet, but the hummingbirds ignore the smelly flesh of dead animals, and instead they look for the colorful blossoms of desert plants. The vultures live on what was. They live on the past. They fill themselves with what is dead and gone, but hummingbirds live on what is. They seek new life. They fill themselves with freshness and life. Each bird finds what it's looking for. We all do. The question is, what are you looking for? So what are you feeding on? It determines your attitude. We need to declutter so that we can renew our attitude. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23. Modern King James puts it this way. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, what does that mean? And how is that possible? 
what do I have to do in order to have this renewed mind? I think the way we live is a reflection of how our minds work. I'm not trying to offend anybody in here because all of us have different ways. We're all different. But but I would venture to say that if you live in squalor and surround yourself by just junk and things and your everything in your life is disheveled and unorganized, perhaps that is a reflection of the state of your mind. I didn't, I'm not trying to offend you. On the other hand, there are people who are completely opposite of that, who drive, you know, somewhere in the middle is a balance. But there are people on the far end of the spectrum who can't stand anything to be out of its place for any amount of time. In fact, it it so distracts them that they would miss everything else in a setting. It's it's funny because I, I'm going to tell you, you guys know me, you hear me every week. I have some issues. I got some issues and I need help. I just got too much pride to go get it. But if you come in my office and you move something, I'm going to be nice to you and I'm going to wait till you leave. But it's going right back where it was. I have issues. My keys don't get lost. You know why? Because they go in the same place every single time. There is no variation. If the keys aren't where I left them, someone else moved them. That way I'm not looking for my keys. They're either in this pocket. Nope. In fact, you were right about one thing. These are church keys in this pocket. Those are church keys. Yes, those are home keys. But they go in the right pockets. And at home, there's a dresser drawer and the top drawer, you pull it out. And on the far left, there's this little container. That's where the keys go when they're not in the pocket. There is no other place for keys in my life. I would drive less organized people crazy because in my mind, things are either right or wrong. Is that right? If it's not right, it's got to be wrong. Unfortunately, I think that most of the time, what I think is right is right. I said I had issues. My clothes are not thrown on the floor. My car is clean on the inside. If you get in my car with something, 
you'll get out of my car taking that with you. There are not wrappers or papers or there's nothing in my car that shouldn't be. And if anything's in there, it's in a place. So my car looks like it's new. I said I had issues. I organized our shed the other day. And it felt good to me, man. I got everything in the right place. That everything was kind of getting gommed up. So I went in there and I mean, I straightened it up and I, I, I made all kinds of floor space where there was none, where we thought there was none, but there really was. It just wasn't organized. So I put everything in this place and I got the broom and I swept the whole thing out. I stood back and I put my hand on my hip and I looked at it and I said, this is good. This is the way God must have felt on the end of the sixth day. <laughs> And I want it to stay that way. Do you? You work, you get it right, you want it to stay that way. So when clutter comes, to me, it changes my attitude. And when someone like me gets into your life who like things a little bit less organized, and we start fixing your life the way that it should be according to us, it changes your attitude. Am I right? Hence, marital counseling. I just wish he'd leave stuff where I put it. I can't because she leaves it in the wrong place. Regardless of... How we organize or disorganize, we have one thing in common. We need to have our minds renewed every so often. Every so often, the mind needs to be decluttered. John Gordon said this. He said, we fill our minds with thoughts that hold us back, habits that limit us. Distractions that derail us, negative people who drain us, fear that paralyzes us, time zappers that sabotage our productivity. We spend so much time and energy on things that don't matter. We fail to focus on what does matter. We fill up with so many things that generate negative energy that there's no room for positive energy in our lives. Amen or oh me. So we're living with, with too much clutter in our minds and in our spirit, mentally and spiritually and emotionally, we need a new attitude. How are we going to do that? This passage explains how you're going to get a new attitude, an attitude adjustment. Any of, you ever, any of you parents ever asked your children if they needed an attitude adjustment? You know what that meant to the child? Another beating? All around this text, the verses explain how we can get this new attitude. 23 says, renew your minds, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. But if you, if you look at the verses around that, it will show you how to do so. The first one is found in Ephesians 4, 22. And it says the first way to get a new attitude is to Put off the old man. 
Look at that. For you ought to put off the old man according to your way of living before that person who is corrupt according to their deceitful lust. Put off the old man who is corrupt. See the word put off, those words, put off. You see those? You know what it means? It means it can mean a couple of things, and it's, and it's really kind of strange because you would, you would think it'd be one or the other, which says to me it's a gamut of things. It says, it says to cast off or to lay aside. Those are two different things, aren't they? One has a picture of throwing, and the other one has a picture of gently laying something aside. I think what he's trying to tell us, or by the usage of that word, the Holy Spirit's trying to tell us, there's a gamut depending on your personality. What happens whenever you decide to take the clothes off that you were wearing that day? That will answer the question. Some of you cast them off. Some of you lay them aside. Am I right? The off-casters are those who would drive me insane. Because the breeches legs, for me, even when the clothes come off, are to be folded to go in the hamper. I said I had issues. The pants are folded and put in the hamper. Now, Bradley isn't here right now. He's supposed to be at the second service. But if you go in his room, the britches have been taken off. One leg is hanging out. One is in. The belt is still in there. And they're thrown across something in the room. And there are other things laying all around them. I don't go in that room very often. But his time is reserved for more important things. I'm plagued by this. I'm, used, I'm losing a lot of life trying to keep things right. So you've got, this, you've got this thing going on here when it says, put off the old man. Paul's saying, whatever works for you, either throw it off, throw it up in the corner, or take it off and fold it and lay it aside. But whatever you do, take it off. Take off. It's a conscious, willful decision to take off who you used to be. You say, well, I gave my life to Christ and I'm just waiting on him now to set me free from some of the hurts, habits, and hangups that I have. And I would point you to Celebrate Recovery and say that that is an awesome ministry and we're going to help you do just that. But there will come a point in your life. You will have to decide I'm not going to put that on anymore. I'm taking that off. And all the programs in the world and all the prayer and all the waiting won't help you until eventually someday you get to the place that you take off the old man. You got to take off the old man and make a conscious choice at which point the Holy Spirit will help you and you will have power to be an overcomer. He will not help you overcome that which you will not take off. So you take this thing off, you put off the old man. 
consciously, willfully make a decision to remove this thing that you've been wearing. And you either cast it aside or you lay it aside. In either case, you're not determining that you're going to leave it in a place where that you'd be tempted to put it back on. You're taking off the old man. Number two. Ephesians 4.24 says you will put on the new man. Put off the old man, put on the new man. 24 said, and you should put on the new man who according to God was created in righteousness and true holiness. What am I putting on? Righteousness and true holiness. How many of you ladies or men spend 30 minutes a night standing in your closet trying to figure out what you're going to wear the next day? Anybody do that? Any of you ladies do that? Some of the guys probably do that. Now, I don't do that. I'm separating myself from it. That's where I draw the line, right? I'm weird, but I'm not that weird. I knew a lady one time who was so spiritual. She told me she, she prayed every day, even about what socks to wear. My good Lord in heaven. Put some socks on or don't. Who gives a rip? I certainly don't. I'm going to even wear socks if I can get away with it. I mean, I got them on today because it's Sunday. What happens if you take something off? This is very, this is a very trick question. What happens if you take something off and you don't put something on in its place? In the physical. You're walking around in your birthday suit. Right? So it's paramount that you put something on. It's, uh, it's absolutely paramount that you take off the old. But it's absolutely paramount that you put on the new. So when you're standing at the closet every night deciding what you're going to wear tomorrow, make your mind up to say, I'm going to put on righteousness and I'm going to put on holiness. That's what I'm going to wear tomorrow. I'm going to wrap myself in the righteousness and the holiness of God. And on top of that, then I'm going to put on what? The spiritual armor. I love the series that our youth have been talking about. The spiritual armor. It's an awesome series they've been in. We're going to wrap ourselves in the holiness and the righteousness of God. And then we're going to put on the outside of that. We're going to put on the spiritual armor. So that we will be able to withstand the enemy. If you don't put those things on. Then you'll find yourself going back and finding the old man. And putting it back on. Refuse to put back on the dirty clothes from your last life. You say, but it's not possible. It is possible. The reason I know it's possible is because the Bible tells us to do it. And God wouldn't tell us to do anything that's impossible. So it's possible. Choose your attitude for the day. Choose the way that you are going to feel and think by what you choose to wear. Every morning, get it in your mind. I'm going to put on the new man. What am I wearing today to school? What am I wearing today to work? I'm going to put on the new man. I'm not putting on the old man. I'm putting on the new man today. The righteousness 
and the holiness of God. And number three, verse 27 says, put out the devil. Put off the old man, put on the new man, put out the devil. Verse 27, neither give place to the devil. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There are windows and doors to your spiritual life. When you became a believer, the Holy Spirit went through your life and shut the windows and the doors. And the Holy Ghost came along and locked them. Why? So that nothing else that wasn't supposed to come in through there would. Let me give you an example. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm better or worse than you. We're all different. For me... There, the devil doesn't attack me with alcohol. He does a lot of other people. He doesn't attack me with alcohol. Why? Because that was never something that was a huge problem for me. That was not an, a major issue for me. So that's a window right there, guys, I'm telling you. <clears throat> I, can, I, I, think, I, I, I think I can leave that window wide open and it won't affect me. What's that mean? That means I, I could go wherever, though I don't. I could go wherever people are drinking. Everybody, every single person there could be drinking except for me, and I wouldn't because I don't want to. I don't have a temptation to. I don't care about it. That's not an open window for me. But if it's an open window for you, then don't go there. Because I'm going to tell you, even though that one's not an open window for me, I got some doors and windows in my life that I don't dare let get cracked open because if they get opened up, they'll get kicked in and I'd be in trouble. I had to put out the devil and then I got to shut the door and I got to go around and shut the windows and make sure that they're locked because any crack that he can find to come in, he's going to come into your life. Whatever it is that you've struggled with in the past that's been a source of temptation for you, if you're not careful, that's the window he will use to get back in. Why is he going to tempt you with something that doesn't tempt you? If you, if you used to love to talk trash about somebody, some folks like that, you used to love to talk trash about somebody, then that is a window and a door that the Holy Spirit has shut in your life and you better not put yourself in a situation with people that like to talk trash about other folks or else you'll find yourself talking trash again. What is it in your life? Identify the weakness in your life. Identify the thing that you struggle with. Identify the place that you are tempted. Think about that for just a minute. And remember that there are going to be triggers to try to get you to open windows to that. You're probably not going to struggle. If you can't stand a thief, if you can't stand the idea of a thief, if you're repulsed at the thought of ever stealing and you'd never steal, for the, then you're probably not going to be tempted to steal a CD down at Walmart. But if you've been tempted to look at dirty pictures, then guess what? You can pray and get full of the Holy Ghost, and somewhere the devil will put one on a billboard if he has to to try to get a window open in your life.
Somewhere you'll run into something. You may be cruising along. You may have made it for a year. Done really well. Made it for a year. And then all of a sudden, bam, the door gets open about that far. You're like, "Uh uh-oh, hang on. And then you got a choice to make. Got to get the door shut. Got to get that door shut. Got to get it locked. Block it. Lock it. Cut it off. Because if not, you're allowing a place for a foul spirit to come back into your life, a place where he got in before. The scripture talks about it. When the house is swept and clean and the demons thrown out, he comes back and brings six or seven of his buddies. Why? Because it's going to be harder to get in this time. And they come back walking around the house. Y'all find an open window? Have you found an open door? Where's a spot we can get in? You got to put out the devil. It's a conscious choice. You do this through specific prayer. You know why? The, I told the guys this the other night. You know why we, we as pastors stand up and tell people? Read the word every day. Pray every day. Pray in the spirit. Don't fail to get to church. If the doors are open, make sure that you're not failing to assemble. The, you know why we tell you to do that? You said, yeah, because you want to be able to count everybody. No. It's because if you don't stay in the word and in spiritual Holy Ghost prayer and stay in God's house surrounded by his people, the doors and windows will get open in your life. And we're trying to help you lock the doors and the windows. This is how we get a new attitude. H.D. or H.E. Fostick said, he who chooses the beginning of a road chooses the place it leads to. I want to close with these words from Pastor Steve Riley. See if you can find yourself in this clutter. These are the the types of clutter that we need to get rid of. These are the places where we need to put off, put on, put out the devil. He says, the clutter that you need to lose includes believing that you are alone. Trying to please everybody. Feeling insecure. Putting yourself down. Needing everybody to like you. Jumping to conclusions before you know the facts. Thinking that you're always right. Recalling that the times that you messed up. Wanting to know how it all turns out. Needing to have all the answers. Worrying that if you let go of the memorabilia, you'll lose the memories. Agonizing that you're not rich enough, good enough, smart enough. Surrounding yourself with people who remember the bad times and not the good. Making energy-sucking comparisons. Viewing life like a movie instead of participating. Believing that your best days are over. Waiting at all times for the right moment. Fearing you'll look foolish. Focusing on negative typecasting and anything else that you don't want to pass on to your kids. That's the clutter. It's quiet in here right now because you found yourself in there somewhere, didn't you? That's the clutter that Ephesians 4, 23 is talking about that we need to renew our minds from. Those are the areas where the windows and the doors are open if you're not careful. These are the places that we need to put off the old man, put on the new man, put out the devil so that we can be renewed in the spirit of our mind.
It's time to get rid of the clutter. These are the ways that we get a new attitude. Doesn't mean that you're a sinner on your way to hell because you need a new attitude. So many of our altar calls cause people to disengage by the way that they are worded. We've made altar calls a thing over in the past so many times that if you responded, it meant you were a sinner. The only way you could respond to an altar was to publicly be confessing that you were a sinner again. So a lot of good Christian people don't ever respond to altar calls because they're like, I've been saved 40 years and I'm not going to go down there and get saved again. I'm not talking today about you needing to get saved again. I'm talking about you needing to get your mind decluttered. I'm talking about you needing to let the Holy Spirit renew your mind and change the way that you think and feel. If you don't like the way you've been thinking lately and you don't like the way you've been feeling lately, this is your word. It's time for you to get your mind renewed. And it's easy. We're just going to turn it over to the Lord. And then what are we going to do? To shut the doors and the windows. Going to get back in the word. Going to get back in the Holy Ghost. and Pray in the Holy Ghost. We're going to make sure that we stay in accountability with our brothers and sisters. So I wish everybody would. I wish you would would, uh, just bow your heads for a moment. And give us all an opportunity to respond. Here's what we're going to do here in a few minutes. We're going to receive communion together. But before we receive communion, I would like everybody to have an opportunity to renew their mind. How about taking communion this morning with a fresh new perspective? How about taking communion with an uncluttered mind? Would that be all right? So all across this room, you could come to the altar if you want, but you don't have to. I don't need to see your hands or it's not about me. I just want to make sure that everybody in this room first can take communion and secondly, they can do it with a free mind. So I would say to you, if you're not a believer, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't take communion. Don't do it. The scripture said that you would eat and drink the body and the blood of Jesus unworthily and you would you would eat and drink damnation to yourself. You, you would cause yourself to be sick either physically or spiritually or both and some people have even died as a result. So I wouldn't do that if I was you. And I'm not trying to scare you so you'll take communion. I'm simply saying to you first of all before I go any further to the individual who says I'm not right with Christ. I want to give my heart to Jesus then I want to give you that opportunity. I'm not trying to make it easy. I think sometimes we've tried to make salvation too easy and we haven't caused people to count the cost. We just throw out a big old blanket and say, everybody call on the name of Jesus so we can all go to heaven. And a lot of people just pray these little unemotional prayers that don't mean anything and don't change your life, don't mean squat. So I would say count the cost. Are you willing to crucify your flesh daily and live as unto Christ? If so, then it's time for you to receive him as your Lord and Savior. If not, don't waste your time. Don't think that a little simple prayer shaking somebody's hand is going to get you saved. It's not going to get you to heaven. The only thing that's going to get you to heaven is when you finally get convicted enough of your sins to repent. 
then you'll be saved. If that's you, then this is where we go right now. This is the first place. This is our first stop. Is for the individual that say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Christ. I want to ask the Lord to come into my heart. I'm sorry for my sins and I want to repent of my sins. Nobody's looking. I want everybody to be praying. I need you to pray right now. Would you do that? Pray for somebody. There's people here right now. There's people in this room right now who need to make this decision. Whether or not they do is up to them, but they need to. And so we're praying for you. Now I'm going to ask. If that's you, nobody's looking. It's just me. I want to know who I'm praying for. Would you lift your hand? Amen. One, two, three. How many more? How many more people would raise their hand? Four. How many more raise their hand? Five. Praise the Lord, church. Five so far. Anybody else would like to raise their hand with these and say, I'm ready to surrender my heart to Christ. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You You can put your hands back down unless you don't want to. You can keep them up if you'd like. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a very simple prayer. And I would ask the whole church to pray this prayer with me. It's not about a flowery prayer that's going to save you. It's going to be a sincere repentance on your part. If you really mean this today, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, all over the room, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me for my past. Come on. I want to live for you. From this day forward, I want to be your child. Renew my mind. Take out all the old clutter. Replace it with your goodness and your holiness. Fill me with your spirit. and Let me walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You don't have to do this, but I'll tell you, it's a really cool thing to do on your spiritual birthday. I want all of he- all of heaven right now is rejoicing at five or six people already that made this decision. But I would love for our church to be able to celebrate with you. I'm not asking you to come to the front. But this is a big day because if you prayed that prayer, you not only gave your heart to Christ, but it's also going to be the first time you ever take communion. All on the same day. Your spiritual birthday, you're going to take communion. Isn't that amazing? If you prayed that prayer and you're willing to do it, this is a public profession of your faith. I just want you to stand to your feet. You prayed that prayer and you meant it. I want you to stand. Come on, stand up. If you prayed it and you meant it, keep standing. Keep standing. Hang on. Keep standing. Come on. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Keep standing. Amen. Praise the Lord, guys. That is amazing. You can be seated. That is just awesome. I'm, I, I'm just thrilled for you. I'm thrilled for you right now. That's amazing. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what he does. And now, your first walk to the altar is going to be to receive communion. That's an amazing thing, guys. That's an awesome, awesome thing. Before we take communion, please remember this, parents. Do not let your children take communion. If they are not to the age of accountability and have not asked Jesus to come into their heart, 
if they do not perfectly understand what's going on, do not let your kids take communion. Secondly, if you are not a believer, if you have not asked Jesus into your heart, do not be moved by peer pressure. When everybody else moves, don't move. Don't come and do this. This is a sacred, special thing. Now, the other thing is, I don't care what denomination you're from. You're visiting us from another denomination. I don't care. You're my brother. You're my sister. If you know Jesus and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, then you're my brother and sister. And I don't care what church you came here from today. I don't care. You're part of my family. And we receive you and we love you and you're welcome. If you've asked Jesus in your heart, you are welcome to take communion in this place today because we're one big family. We're going to take it here and someday we're going to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb together. See what I can do when we get there. Somebody say amen. Jeff Bond, you ain't going to be able to keep up with me when we get to the marriage supper. I'll be, I do like I do over at the Amish kitchen. Sometimes y'all see me at the Amish kitchen up moving around. I eat till I get dizzy. And then I get up and I walk around. I walk it off and then I go back and hit it again. Somebody say amen. I'm that close to a coma when I leave that place. The marriage supper of the lamb. We're not there yet. Communion today is a very serious thing. Don't take communion if your heart is not right with God. But if it is, then you're welcome to. We are taking the body and the blood symbolically of our Lord Jesus. It is not It is not literally, it does not literally become. It's just a cracker and some grape juice. But it symbolizes the broken body of our Lord and his blood that was shed to save us. Heal us. Empower us. Equip us. Keep us. It's an amazing thing. I want you to stand to your feet. Pastor Brian, who's helping us today with our communion? If you fellas would come, I want you to come and join us across the front. I appreciate these men. These are deacons and leaders in our church and staff. The way we do this is per section. So, Russell, you're going to be a leader. You're going to be a leader anyway. Not just today. I'm just telling you. You're going to lead first. You're going to come out and then you're going to step out and people are going to come this way and follow you back and around. Tammy's going to, Tammy's going to lead us on this side back and around and everybody's going to do the same thing. Then we're going to start over here on this side and go back and around. We're going to start on this side and go back and around. You're going to fall out. Are you ready? Falling out. Well, that's not the same thing. We'll see how that goes. I just mean you're going to fall out and follow, but we'll see about the rest of it. Last week it was falling out. Man. All right. Are you ready? Come on and partake of, of the community. Come and get these symbols.
broken and lost, you found me. Though hurt had been my way, you healed my life. Called as a child and righteous, you broke the power of sin and freed my life. You saved me and I On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gathered with his 12. And even as one of them were leaving to do the betraying, he broke bread with the rest and they passed a cup around. And he told them, these emblems symbolize me my body and my blood my body's going to be broken my blood is going to be shed and it's going to be for your salvation and your healing and your deliverance if you ever is there anybody here that's ever been healed Lift your hand if you've ever been healed. Are you thankful for the blood? How many born-again people in this room that ask Jesus to come into your heart, raise your hand. Are you thankful for the blood? How many of you folks are walking in the Spirit? Raise your hand. Are you thankful for the blood? The blood of Jesus. Wow. We weren't redeemed with some perishable. Items such as gold or silver, but we were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. This is a very sacred time. We don't do this very often here. If you're a guest, we only do this three, maybe four times a year. You know why? Because when we do this, we're going to be serious about it. We're going to take this very, very seriously. And we believe that when we do this, we're not just obeying a command, but we are joining ourselves to our Redeemer fresh and again all over. And when we do this, mighty, miraculous things happen. I, I believe that right now, somebody about to receive this communion could be about to be miraculously healed right here. Somebody might get healed right here. Somebody's about to get set free because you have just decided, I am tired of my mind being cluttered 
And I am ready for a renewal of my mind. And when you do that, and when you enter into this, and you open yourself to the Holy Ghost, you're about to get a new mind, a new attitude. And you're about to get set free. So we're going to receive this, and then Neil's going to lead us in this song. And, and then you're going to do whatever you want. You'll either go to the house. I'll tell you. Last Sunday in the second service, we started at 1115 and those folks didn't lay off and go home until 120. You may decide to stay today all the way when they're getting here. I don't know. All I know is that it can be an empowering and exciting thing when you get your mind right. And your soul gets filled and you're... And you get full of the Holy Ghost and it, there's nothing like the decluttering of your mind. I, I had my mind decluttered last week. Are you ready? This symbolizes the body of our Lord that was broken for us. This do in remembrance of him and that. symbolizes the blood that was shed so many devastating ways that blood that was shed for us he did this for us nothing else could have been enough to atone for our sins there was nothing else Jesus allowed his sinless blood to be shed for us Let's identify with him today by saying we're drinking this into ourselves because, Lord, we're on your team. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. We belong to you. Let's drink together. And now as Neil leads us in this song, you step out, you come around these altars, you go around this house, you kneel down wherever you want. This is a place of prayer. Take this moment and let the Lord do a work in your life. Those of you that have given your heart to Christ, come down. We want to pray with you. We want to counsel with you. I'd ask prayer team, if you'll come down. Prayer team, will you come and scatter across here? If you ask Jesus into your heart today, if you asked him to come into your heart today, please come to one of these prayer team people and tell them the decision that you made and let them, they're going to be scattered out all around. But let them counsel with you and kind of give you next steps about what, what to do next. and Get some information just to encourage you. Will you do that? And if you need prayer for any other reason, any of you, find one of these folks and come to them for prayer. Neil, lead us and let's just end our time today, today in this atmosphere of prayer and worship.